Welcome to Job Tales, the show where we find out about different professions from the people who know. Each week I speak to a new guest with an inspiring job. You'll hear about their personal path to doing what they do, the skills required and their advice to you. I'm Laura Leoncini and today my guest is Dr. Gerald Edwards, chiropractor in Los Angeles. What is chiropractic? What's the difference with other practices such as osteopathy? What is the relation to classic medicine? And where is the research leading this field? All questions I'll be exploring in the next 25 minutes with my guest. Dr. Edwards, thank you so much. It's so funny the way that we met because I was through a common friend that I met in Los Angeles and she said, oh, I should ask my chiropractor to be interviewed at, uh, for job tale. So here we are. Thank you so much. I would like to know from you, what does chiropractic mean? Thank you for the invitation and, pleasure. To our, <laughs> and to our mutual friend who is a very lovely, lovely person. Yes, um, she is. So with respect to what is chiropractic, it is the by the hand. Mm. So chiropractic is a form of natural health care in which we put the hands on the body and we move the tissues, muscles, tendons. But most people think of chiropractic as moving the joint and you can hear that crack or that pop sound. Which also is part of your job, right? I mean, the cracking, what we call, you know, in layman, <laughs> the <Yeah>. cracking. <laughs> yes, and it's becoming more and more popular. I actually call a lot of patients crack addicts. Crack addicts, right. yeah. they really, If they don't get that thunderous crack, somehow it hasn't been delivered correctly. Yeah. And has chiropractic been there for a long time? Like, has it been a practice for, for many oh, years? Oh, yes, decades? over a hundred years. Yes. Ah, okay. Okay. Yes. So when you were a child or a young man trying to decide what to do with your life, uh, did you have that in mind already? No, not really. My journey into chiropractic was due to an injury. And mm. I, I had injured my back and I was a competitive tennis player wanting to further my career in tennis. And Through standard medical practice, the solution was to have spine surgery. And at the pleadings of my grandmother, God rest her soul, she told me about chiropractic. And oh. up to that point, I couldn't even spell it, if you will, or knew anything yeah. about it. So, <laughs> and I was at university at UCLA. So I started chiropractic care. And within four months, I was virtually pain free. And that absolutely startled me. And that's what started me to investigate chiropractic as a profession. You didn't have to do uh, surgery then? No. No, not at all. Wow. Wow. So it did save a lot about, <laughs> about your back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that was it. And how old were you, sorry, for me asking? No, I was 19. Oh, so young. Okay. Yes. So once you, you know, found out a bit more about chiropractic, then uh, you decided that you may want to do that as a profession? Yes. So concurrently at university, I was moving into a track of healthcare, looking at medical school. Okay. And during that time, I had transitioned and I was a, an EMT working in an ambulance. I was a medic in the back. Mm. So I was able to see... A lot, of, a lot of hospitals and injured individuals. And I really concluded that that wasn't 
the life that I wanted to lead. It looked as though they were very drawn out, very rewarding career, I'm sure, but they were on on call 24-7 on, at that time, the pagers and oh, yeah. <laughs> the amount of time. And coming off of competitive sports, I was a little cantankerous and nobody was going to tell me what to do. And I kind of wanted to work for myself. So healthcare was in your radar. And then with chiropractic, you saw a better fitting, you know, in terms of time and, and you know, the ma life management than, than maybe becoming a medical doctor. Is that right? Absolutely true. It was, I have a deep appreciation for the medical practice, but I was always the child of growing up saying, well, why don't we have chicken soup to prevent the cold as opposed to treat the cold after you get sick? How do we prevent something? So when I think of chiropractic, of course, you know, the, the cracking, of course, yeah. And then sometimes it, 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 you can hear it so much that you think that your spine is going to break in two, but then you feel much better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're, especially on the next side, uh, you're really scared when the, you know, someone there, touches There's a lot head. of trust. <laughs> yes, exactly. A lot of trust. And then, you know, I think also of other practices like osteopathy. And sometimes even when I have my own back problems, I say, okay, which one should I go to, you know, osteopathy and chiropractic? Can you tell me the difference between the two approaches? Yeah, it's a good question. Here in the United States, osteopathy is still a very major player in the healthcare marketplace. They are traditionally trained physicians that provide, you know, medication and surgeries Uh, but they're also trained in manual medicine, the adjusting of the joints, if you will. But in my observation, the greatest change is most osteopathy practitioners do not perform manual medicine any longer. They perform standard medical care. You see them as emergency room physicians or cardiologists or neurologists. They know about it, but they don't practice it. So if somebody was trying to choose somebody as a, as a provider to manually manipulate them, if chiropractors, this is all that we do versus somebody who's dabbling in internal medicine and family practice, so they may not have their hands on that many patients adjusting their spines. And then I'm thinking of another one, the physiotherapist, you know, and then the sports therapy. And is there a parallel with chiropractic? Are they complementary? Or what's the difference? I think there's, there's a tremendous amount of overlap and complementary pieces. With the manual manipulation or the adjustments, you really need to be exercising and you need to be getting stronger and more flexible. And in most chiropractic practices, we don't have the space or the facilities to have all the equipment. So we'll typically refer out for continued co-management of that individual for strengthening purposes. I see. So when, you know, going back now to your you know, personal life and uh, when you started, you know, did you have to go to medical school? How many years did you study? Because I'm, I'm sure that the listeners, especially the young ones, are thinking, okay, this speaks to me, you know, no like 24-hour job, having a contact with the body, with, with the patient. But then how much do I need to study and uh, what, what's out there for what, what, what do I need to expect in terms of curriculum? You need to go to university and get your four-year degree. And I strongly suggest individuals going into some sort of the sciences. And then you enter chiropractic school, which is a graduate program. If you go through the summer, so there's no break, 
it will take you three and a half years. If you take a normal course, it'll take you five years. Okay. And then once you get out, you have to pass the national boards. And then once you pass your national boards, you then can take your state licensure exams. And then after that, me personally, I went back and got my postgraduate degree in neurology, which was an extended three years. Oh, wow. Okay. Out of your own initiative, you didn't have to, right? Correct. Correct. And what is the link, neurology and chiropractic, for you? Well, chiropractic is the, we are the study of the nerves. In osteopathy, that's the science of the blood system. And in uh, homeopathy, that's the science of similars. And in allopathic medicine, that's the science of opposites. So if you have a, an infection, we'll give you an antibiotic. If you're hot, they'll cool you down. Homeopathy is a little bit different. They may want to give you a very, very small low dose of the irritant to help your body encourage to heal. In chiropractic, we're talking about nerve function. And the more I got into looking at what chiropractic was doing, we had to end up in the spinal cord and then, and then ultimately into the brain. And studies are showing very tremendous activity in the brain after a spinal adjustment. Oh, wow. And to understand that link gives the ability to deepen your examination and provide more direct, specific care to that individual. Oh, fascinating, yeah. I want to get back to that about the future and where the research is leading. Um, when you did your study, so we, you, you know, you mentioned before that you, you wanted to be, be independent. Now, what are the options uh, a young man or young woman has after graduating and becoming a chiropractor? I would strongly recommend somebody going into being an associate or going into an organization to learn the field because at, in, at probably in any industry when you get out and you start working, what you learn in school and what's really happening on the street are two different things. Yes. I and agree. I've been practiced now going on 31 years. Well, because of my competitive nature as an athlete prior, I went out and just opened my own shop. Uh, now, I, I, got, I got lucky, but I wouldn't recommend that. I would say spend three to four years learning the business, learning how to treat patients, how to manage your schedule, how to deal with patient management, and then co-management with other professionals. And then if you want to strike out on your own and be a solo practitioner, then you can't do that. Do you think it's harder to have that learning curve if you're independent from the get-go? I think that the it's a different learning curve when you if you were to first start off in practice you don't know if you're making any mistakes because there's nobody else to bounce any information off of and your lease payment is due on your rental on your on your office and you have to pay employees so there there becomes this conflict between how much you want to continue to learn but you have to keep your doors open Sure. And in what way would you say that you were lucky? Can you define luck in your case? Lucky was when I started, I started gathering patients right away. And at that point, I was making money to not only keep the doors open, but put money in my pocket. And then I started getting interested in furthering my education in terms of what was happening with the brain and the spinal cord. Why was I seeing these results or different results? And then from a personal note, one of my siblings has a psychiatric disorder, and I got more interested as to asking the question, well, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to have a brain that may not be working optimally? 
and how could I not only understand it, but potentially have an influence in a positive direction? So yeah, that's that's very interesting because I can I can see you know um, there, there can be many paths to you know and in, in terms of also learning from mistakes and uh, you know having a voice on the side that tells you okay no this is right or no that's wrong or rather that way now now you've been you know three decades in for a pearl of wisdom let's say for the young listeners is there something that you've learned in the past that you would do different today if you had known it back then. That's a great question. If I was to speak to my younger self, I would say have more humility because you're walking around with the title of being a doctor and people are giving you these these accolades and you're making money. But really, it's in terms of being in service to somebody else. And when you start to become in service of somebody else, you start to listen differently to what the patient is telling you because the reality is in any sort of healthcare. I see this in three prongs. In any, in any human being in any condition, one-third of us is mechanical, one-third of us is chemical, and one-third of us is emotional. And they have a tremendous overlap. So being able to spend the time to ask the proper question and listen without judgment as to what the individual is saying so we can offer advice or refer them to the proper person for care. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking that it must be difficult sometimes because you come with your, with your own set of, you know, stereotypes or prejudices or let's say like ways that you think you can fix that person or that you can, you know, treat that person. Have you found it difficult or or easy in your life, in your professional life to listen with no judgment, to listen to your patients? It took me a long time and it's a continual learning. But part of what I consider myself as a professional listener, because studies will basically show about 60 to 70% of the diagnosis and treatment will be given to you by the patient if you know how to interview them properly. Right. And, if, and if you listen, because they know what's going on yeah. with them, they just may not understand the Latin of it, but that's not their job. Our job is to listen and ask the appropriate question as opposed to going in with a preconceived notion as to what is happening. As an example, if a woman comes in and she's having neck pain and the, the number one of the very common metastatic cancers from breast goes to the neck. So we have to be aware of a lot of other systems as opposed to thinking always, oh, this individual has neck pain, I do manual medicine, I can fix you. When in reality, it could be coming from a completely different system. Hence also the, I guess, the relationship also with other medical sectors. 100% true. Okay. 100% true. Do you have, um, you know, we were talking about before about uh, myths about the job. So did, can you tell me a couple of myths, one or two myths about your job as a chiropractor? <laughs> well, I, I, I think really a lot of people in, in the, you know, maybe maybe not one standard deviation, but there's, there's many people that, that think that chiropractic is a myth. How can mm -hmm. me putting my hand on you and thrusting with some level of force, getting a crack, elicit a health change? And unfortunately, a lot of chiropractors believe that as well. And they've, they've lost in my opinion, that sense of curiosity and wonder about the science of it all and how the human body operates and what does it mean to be human. So 
studies have shown that getting your neck adjusted in the high up, you know, just below your skull, if you get it done correctly, you can actually improve high blood pressure. The blood pressure goes down. So it's natural and it's non-medicated. Now, that is a very high technical skill, and you have to select that patient as opposed to the method like, oh, just get adjusted. Let me see as many people as I can. Put my hands on people and just start cracking spines like two guys in a gym. You see often just cracking each other all over the place. And so it isn't a magic bullet. There is real science and real neurology and real hormonal influxes after getting adjusted. So people really think that what we do is kind of magical, and it really isn't. It isn't magic. It's not a belief system. Right, right. There's science behind, right? And it also, I can think that it, it must be a continuous research and study because it, it evolves with time, right? Do, do you need to like to go to conferences or, you know, refresh, yeah, your skills? Yeah, every year we have a mandatory 24-hour continuing education. And, you know, you go through that. And then on your own time, you are reading research articles, maybe going to conferences. And then I encourage people to, you know, produce case studies to, to document particular individuals that you're seeing patients and then publish that case study. Now, it's not primary research. It's anecdotal. But it starts to give this groundswell of information to, for individuals to, to search out to say, well, if my back hurts or if my shoulder hurts, what might it be and how can I help? And I have had extraordinary cases in, in my career, which I kind of sit back and scratch my head and think, you know, I'm a healthcare provider, but the concept and the idea of health is getting more and more blurry to me. What does it mean to be healthy? And that's right. what, and that's that's what drives me forward question. because I still want to be curious. Is there something like one particular session or a patient that you're particularly proud of? of what you have achieved with that patient? Well, there's many, but I think one that uh, comes to mind, yes, she came in with the right, she, she had uh, on, on the right side of her body, she had about 50 to 70 seizures per day, upper, oh. and, lower upper and lower extremity, her and her neck would twist. And she had seen the many people and a doctor at UCLA referred her to me and I examined her and all I could do with her was rapidly move her eyes to one direction. And if I did that, I can stop her seizure. If I had her move to the other side, I could generate the seizure. Or if I had her think in a particular way, I could generate the seizure or stop the seizure. So then I sent her back for the therapy because it was conversion disorder. And she had, within about three weeks she could now hold her grandchild without fear of dropping the child because she would have a seizure. Amazing. And then you can improve somebody's life and quality of life. And, and uh, that's, that's on a clinical side, but on, the, on a personal side, she didn't have the financial means to pay my bill. So she paid me in grapefruit. She lived about <laughs> an hour and a half away, and she brought me, and she had fruit trees, and so she'd bring me big bags of fruit. And I felt like that was was my way of giving back God telling me, hey, you've done well, you know, it's okay. And I was mm -hmm. very happy to help her. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing. 
back to the, the future of uh, of the discipline, you know, where is the research leading? You know, we're talking about neurology, you're talking about you know, new discoveries all the time. And is there a path already sort of visible and, and knowledgeable to to the professionals in the in the industry? And then is like technology such as AI going to affect it in, uh, you know, in any way possible? Well, it's still technology is is going to impact it. A lot of chiropractors, and myself included, I use different forms of lasers for complementary mm-hmm. treatment. There's decompression tables. But what fascinates me is the research deepening what happens within the brain when you get adjusted. And so the research is actually starting to show that getting a proper chiropractic manipulation has tremendous benefit effects. Mm-hmm. So, But having said that, Technology in medicine is moving at exponential, but chiropractic is not because we still have to put our hands on you. And so nothing's going to be able to replace. Maybe AI could replace some sort of a robot to find where they wanted to adjust you. But I will be far removed (laughs) from the planet when I think that happens. Yeah. Uh, Because it's a very personal, you know, hands-on profession. And I think part of the, the, the tension is going to be Patients and, and populations in general, we live in a very microwave, immediate society. We want relief now. And chiropractic is not really built for that kind of system. It's a repeated, ongoing system. So to continue to improve your spinal health will improve your brain. Just like we brush our teeth twice a day. We don't brush our teeth because we have cavities. We brush our teeth because we want to prevent cavities. And we want to improve oral health for overall health. Same thing with chiropractic. A lot of times people just want to get adjusted when they're in pain, when in reality, it's it's a tune-up of your nervous system. It's a different mindset that you need to be having. A li- yeah, a little bit. Right. And lastly, you know, is there any compromise that you need to be prepared to make for this job? Yes. If you work by yourself that will be your spouse in the beginning you are going for the first probably seven to eight years i worked probably six to seven days a week getting systems in place and so you're really dedicating a tremendous amount of time to getting your practice and maintaining your practice and when you are involved in with the public and you're dealing with people's discomforts and pain you have to guard yourself against compassion fatigue because after your 30th patients of the day, how are you feeling, Mrs. Jones? And she's complaining again. When you hear this year after year, decade after decade, you can start to get tired. Hmm. And so you have to have something on the outside of your life which renews you and, and reestablishes a sense of self and get the energy back because it's fatiguing. It's just tiring. It's a very physical job. Physical, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, that's a good point. Anything else you would like to share? I think that if there's any young people that are looking forward to it, to explore chiropractic as, as a mode of, uh, of healthcare, I do believe that it's the most impactful thing that one human being can do to another to improve the function of their spine, to improve the function of their nervous system, and then let their level of humanism to take off and direct it how they see it, not how I see it, but how that patient sees it. 
Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Edwards. Uh, I really appreciate it. And also thanks for all your insight and experience. And I will let you know if there's someone who has further questions so wants to become a chiropractor after, yes, absolutely. after listening. <laughs> Thank you so much for the invitation and you have a blessed rest of your day. I like that one job can be the most impactful thing that one human being can do to another. That was Dr. Edwards, chiropractor in Los Angeles. I invite you to write me a comment or a rating on your favorite podcast player. It will help me improve my next episodes. You can write me directly at jobtalespodcast at gmail.com. Next week's podcast episode will be about manufacturing. Stay tuned to learn more. <laughs>